I'll go ahead and pray. You guys really agree with me? Is everything good to go? All right. So, Father, we just lift up tonight as we get into the word of the Lord. And we ask you to really come upon me, anoint me fresh. But, Lord, I ask you to speak through me what needs to be spoken. I pray for everyone that's, that's hearing and watching this and those that may, it may not be live, those that may listen to this sometime in the future. But we ask that the precious Holy Spirit, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move upon all those that are going to be listening very powerfully. And help us, Lord, to give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus, just to kind of get locked in, not be distracted. And help us by the Holy Spirit to have good, fertile soil of hearts and minds. Because the parable of the seed and the sower, there needs to be good soil. And then by your Spirit, you would anoint our eyes and ears. Give us eyes and ears of the Spirit. And Lord, I ask you to speak through me everything that needs to be spoken. It'll go out as living seeds of truth sown into good soil. Watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And Lord, we ask you that the winds of your Holy Spirit carry this word everywhere it needs to go. That your mighty angels watch over it to, you know, go to war and protect the word of God. And that the enemy is not going to be able to steal the seed. The Bible says the enemy tries to do that. And the birds of the air that try to steal the seed, we agree together. We bind up anything of the enemy in the name of Jesus right now that would try to hinder this word. In any way, getting where it needs to go, doing what it needs to do, we bind it now in the name of Jesus. You will back off. And Lord, I thank you for an anointing. And Lord, I thank you for everything being accomplished in and through this word, that there will be a light shining of the truth of your word to dispel the darkness and the lies of the enemy, bring truth and revelation. And let this be a powerful time in the word. And we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so I've been dealing with Americanized Christianity. I really thought I was done with this, but the Holy Spirit has revisited this another time. And next week I have a sermon I'm going to be working on that may be the final part of this. We just have to see. But as I've been going through this Americanized Christianity, I've been dealing with um, the move of the Holy Spirit. If you remember, this has been over a long period of time with different things in between it. But we dealt with the purity of the gospel. And we dealt with the um, breaking free from religion and a religious spirit, if you remember that. Also dealt with breaking free from politics. And that's a big deal. Uh, too many people get too wrapped up in politics, and it's a bondage. You need to be careful with that. It is, you know, the thing is, this world system is Babylon. The Bible says it is. And eventually the Antichrist is going to come to power over these things. And the Antichrist will be over the political. So those that are all wrapped up in the political, uh, that may not be a positive thing for you when he starts coming to power. You need to begin to understand, to break free from a lot of things. Also, I dealt with not only the political, but breaking free from medical Babylon. If you remember that. The enemy tries to control through that. And that, that was a powerful sermon. I had a lot of positive feedback about that. The enemy tries to use that. Also, tonight I'm dealing with e the economy. Um, economic Babylon. And so God wants us to live by kingdom principles. And just like an, an octopus will have many different tentacles, Babylon tries to wrap people up in many different ways. And so, as I've been preaching on this, and there's actually a whole other sermon series that God 
he's been giving to me for next year that I'll be bringing. But this sermon series and the next one I'll deal with, it's, it's more along the lines of breaking free from the control of these tentacles that try to wrap people up. So there's such thing as a personal deliverance as far as ge your generational issues and your past, getting freed up from that. But there's also living free from this evil world system. That's a different realm of deliverance. And the only way to do that is to really live by kingdom principles, which are required um, for kingdom principles is required to live by faith. And so it's obedience and faith to God's word. So in this sermon, I'm dealing now with finances. I'm going to deal with debt. So let's go ahead and jump into that. But let me say a few things about this. You know, the Bible talks about um, that one, one of these days, as I mentioned, the Antichrist will come to power. And one of the aspects of the Antichrist will be that he's going to have this counterpart of the false prophet. And the Bible says about the false prophet that he is going to force everybody to eventually take a mark on the, either their right hand or their forehead. And it's called the mark of the beast, but the beast is the Antichrist. So it's going to be the Antichrist mark, but it's the false prophet that's really the one behind the scenes that's making people take it. Anyway, my point in saying that is this, you won't be able to buy or sell without it. And so it's going to be an economic mark. Does that make sense? It's going to be something that has to do with finances. And we know that Jesus taught us that the love of money is the root of all evil. And so the Lord is trying to deal with some things in his people so that we can really be protected in these latter days. And, and finances is another area to really break free, okay? And let me tell you, too, that finances don't just have to do... Let me give you an example. Tithing is just one realm, and, and I'll get into that later. But it talks about in the Bible, you know, when you tithe, that the devourers rebuke and the heavens are open. And God pours out his spirit, pours out his blessing like the rain poured out. But you have to understand that that is not just financial blessings. Please hear me tonight. Give me your best ear. Because I believe that, that most of the people in River of Life and a lot of people that listen to these sermons really have a heart for revival. When it came time, I want you to understand how significant this is. When it came time for revival that was was centered in Jerusalem under Peter and it was among the Jewish people in the book of Acts you can read about this there was even a great number of Levites and, and priests that were getting saved it was a great revival thousands of people but it was just Jewish and Philip the evangelist ended up going out of Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria and the gospel got all the way to Samaria and we read about that in our Philip's ministry but still the Samaritans were like, um, they still had a, a lot of Jewish heritage in their blood. But when it came time now for the gospel to get outside of that and really go to the Gentiles, who did God pick to pour out his spirit on? It was a man named Cornelius. And the Bible says why God chose Cornelius. You can read about this in the book of Acts. There was Cornelius was there praying one day and an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And the angel spoke to Cornelius who was an Italian man. And this was the first time now 
that the gospel was going to come to the Gentiles. And the angel spoke to Cornelius and said this. He said, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms to the poor, your giving, has gone up before the Lord as a memorial offering. So now send for Peter. Now it was a great honor for Cornelius to be able to have Peter, the Apostle Peter, actually come to his house. This was a great honor. And so Cornelius sends for Peter, and the Holy Spirit had already spoken to Peter to go. And so Peter gets up, and he ends up with some of his other um, traveling companions. All of them, Peter and those that were with him, were Jewish, and they were a part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that had happened on the day of Pentecost, etc. And so Peter's standing there, and he says to Cornelius, why would you send for me? And Cornelius told him, well, this angel appeared, and he said, just whatever God wants you to speak to us. So Peter begins to speak to him about the gospel. But as Peter was talking to Cornelius, Cornelius had had all of his family come. So there was a pretty good group of people there. I mean, it wasn't probably just his kids. I mean, he probably had cousins, aunts, and uncles. He had his whole family there. While Peter was preaching to this family, the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell on this family the same way that the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And the people that were with Peter were shocked because they saw that the Holy Spirit had fallen upon the Gentiles in the same way and he, they heard them speaking in tongues. And they saw the, the revival breaking out in this family and so this really was an amazing thing but it was interesting to me that the Bible says that the reason God chose Cornelius was because of his prayer life and because of his giving. And it's also throughout the rest of scripture because just like for example tithing is one aspect but the Bible says if you tithe and you're faithful be a tither. He said I'll rebuke the devourer and open the heavens over you and open heaven has to do with revival. And he said, I'll pour out my blessings. I'll pour out so much blessing there's not room to contain. That's not just financial. It is financial, but it's also revival. And that's what Derek Prince noted when he went to Brownsville. He really wanted to take note of that revival and, and why is God moving here? And, and um, one of the things he said was that, that there was such a high percentage of the people at Brownsville that were faithful tithers and givers. And Derek Prince noted isn't that not what the word says? I will open the heavens and pour out my blessing. And he said that's exactly what happened at Brownsville. So giving is not just connected with you living financially prosperous, but it also has to do with spiritual revival in your life. Okay? And so I really wanted to bring that home. And the apostle Paul was the one that in Corinthians talked about, he compared giving financially to um, sowing seed and he said it's like a farmer that goes and sows seed if you sow just a little bit of seed you're only going to reap a few plants of harvest there but he said if you sow generously and you sow a lot of seed when you come back you're going to reap a bountiful harvest see and so um, the apostle Paul was the one that connected giving to sowing seed and it is true because there's a principle of sowing and reaping all right, so let me, let me just dive into this because my heart in this is that people get free from this Americanized Christianity. 
And one of the aspects is really breaking free financially. Let me read these two scriptures. Uh, Proverbs 10.22. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. How many knows that, man, the world, they, there's people that can get really wealthy, but there's also a lot of sorrow attached a lot of times to it. Their families are destroyed, different things happen. But the Bible says the blessing of the Lord will make rich and add no sorrow to it. Proverbs 22, 7. The Bible says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower becomes a slave to the lender. So the scripture here that has to do with those that, that borrow that are in debt it says that the debtor becomes a slave to the lender. So let me really bring that home because I really want that point to be made here, okay? Our culture is a culture based on debt. And it's completely unbiblical. The reason that it began to happen in the first place is greed because people want to live beyond their means. Did everybody hear what I said? That's the reason it happened in the first place. Because people wanted more than what they could afford. So there became this debt system. But debt is not a good thing. In the Bible, the blessing of the Lord, the Bible says, I will bless you to where you're able to lend and not have to borrow. So debt is not your friend. I think that most people that's ever really been in debt would agree with that statement. Debt is not your friend. And let me just assure you that it is not a biblical principle to live under debt. Okay, it's not favorable in the Bible. Now understand that in the culture that we live in America, uh, most people just simply don't have the finances to go and pay over $100,000 down on a house, so they feel like they have to, and I understand that. But it's still a system of debt that the Bible is not shining a favorable light upon and I believe that God wants us to do our best to be getting working ourselves out of debt and stay out of debt so this Babylonian system of this world it's interesting to look at all this from a biblical perspective because you can really see that Satan has a lot of influence in this realm of finances the Bible even calls money mammon it's like a spirit of mammon and the way that you can really break free from it there's things there's tentacles if people aren't careful there's tentacles through debt there's tentacles through business affiliations through the stock market and other ways that if you're not careful you can really get your finances wrapped up in babylon pretty good But it's because of the culture that we live in. And Satan is all about control. It's all the things I've taught on in this series, the Americanized Christianity, is meant to control. Satan wants to control people with a religious spirit. He wants to control people's minds through the media. He wants to control your life through politics and laws and legislations. He wants to control you. Socialism. He wants to control you through the medical field, get you in all kinds of bondage there. He wants to control your life here financially. Do you see what I'm saying? 
All of this boils down to Satan wanting to exert some kind of a demonic control over our lives. So I'm going to give you some things tonight that I believe will help you. So we live in this culture of debt, but also you see things like the Federal Reserve and the government control and all of that. But here's the thing. If we live by kingdom biblical principles, the Lord will begin to take you and break you free from the spirit of mammon and break you free from Babylon that you can soar above that financially. That even if the world is going downhill, you're steady. That your finances are not all entangled and wrapped up in Babylon. Because if your finances are all entangled and wrapped up in Babylon and Babylon goes down, it's going, you're entangled, you're tied to it. It's going to pull you with it. But if you've broken those entanglements and you're living by kingdom biblical principles, you're going to soar above that. And I believe there's some people that God will anoint them and use them if he can trust them. That's a big if. But he'll anoint them and use them to help funnel finances into the kingdom. But there's some people that want to do that and maybe feel that they're called but you God knows the heart it, it's a it's a heart issue because there's a lot of people that if God gives them money they won't handle it well and um, it'll bring judgment on them and so God will withhold it because he loves them okay but there is people out there there are people out there that God does want to funnel wealth transfer into the kingdom so we're going to have to be faithful with the little to become a steward over much in the Bible. And one of the things that stuck out to me is that just from the, the principle of being a good steward, whatever God gives me, whether it's clothing, whether it's a vehicle, whether it's a house, whether it's an electronical device, whatever God has allowed me to have, I try to really take good care of it. Because I feel like that God's entrusted me to be a steward of everything that I own. There's some people that are not like that, man. They, you know, they'll get something brand new and it'll look like it's 10 years old in three months. They just trash everything they get. But I try to be a good steward with things God gives me and I also try to be a good steward with my finances. Because I want the Lord to look down and see that every aspect of your life, of my life and your life, I know you feel the same way, that every aspect that you're being a faithful steward, that we're being faithful to the Lord. So I'm going to give you tonight seven realms of giving that will really break you out of where you were. But I know from my past experience that there was a time where I, had, I didn't have hardly any money and you know the tendency is to kind of hoard things you know and that's a fear-based mentality but I remember just really feeling like I need to hoard things and not give and God began to really deal with me about that and began to teach me a better way and it started with tithing and I've been a tither for many many years I can't even remember how many years but since I've really given my life to the Lord I've wanted to be a tither and I, I give the Lord the first 10% of what I make and my wife and I've always done that but that's really just the foundational type giving that's just extremely basic 
But I'm going to give you these seven areas. And I believe in a practical way that if people will begin to do this as a lifestyle, there's a principle that if you'll sow, that you'll reap. And, and you know, like tonight, we're not taking up any special offering or anything. My heart in this is not to get people to try to give to some thing tonight, some event or something like that. My heart is this, in this is that you get freed up from Babylon. And that you're, you can tell me in 2019, Pastor Scott, I started doing what the Bible said and my finances have increased. I'm able to be a bigger giver into the kingdom and live more blessed. You know, when you're a pastor, you really have a heart for that, to see people blessed. So here's the first thing. The Bible says in Leviticus 23, 22, not to glean the corners of your harvest field. So in biblical times, when it was all about farming, etc., okay? In biblical times, you know, people would have this harvest field out there. And they would send out their harvesters to go out into the field. So let's just say wheat for the sake of keeping it simple. They'd be going, going out there cutting down the stalks of wheat and gathering it, bundling it up. And the Bible said to these owners of these, these um, farm fields, he told them, do not glean the far corners of the field, leave it for the poor. So the owners of the field would make sure and tell those that were going out, when you get close to the parameter of the field, just leave them alone. Keep it more in the center. And the reason for that was that God wanted his people to be generous and to care about the poor. And the Lord told them they would be poor in the land and they can go through the, the land, they can go through the different fields and they can pick off the grain and eat it because you're you know you're not and also when you bring in the grape harvest don't go over it a second time so you went through the first time and got everything just leave the rest when it starts growing back and it's falling leave it for the poor so God's heart in that was to that his people begin to be a generous people and so practically around you there's people that God will lay on your heart to give to them. And there's times that people that your family, friends, whatever, go through things. You know, I use this example, but it's very limited. But I know that many times we collectively go out to eat. But, you know, the people that are waiting on us together as a church, you know, they're not making a lot of money. And so being a cheerful, generous giver, so to speak, in your tip that you're leaving them is also being somebody that is um, leaving the corners of your fields. So be somebody that is like that, that is considering the poor around you, and that's, that's the corners of the field principle. The second one is called Bikarim. This is the first fruits. You can read about this in Deuteronomy 26. In regards to the first fruits, this is people think this is tithing and it's not they just haven't studied this out at all because it's very different actually and the bible is actually pretty clear about how different it is the first fruits when the harvest began to grow up so let's say that there was a farmer that sowed in his fields and he also had a bunch of fruit trees and now it's time the harvest begins to come up the sheaves are beginning to come up and they're green because it's it's young you know the the fruit are beginning to come out. And the farmer would mark, have some kind of a marker to go out in the field 
maybe stick something in the ground or tie something to a sheave. He would also tie something to a tree. And as those first fruits began to come, what the farmer would do is he would begin to gather in a first fruits offering. And so he would go out there and he would cut down some of the stalks and some of the first fruits that fell from the tree, etc., and, and gather it up. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they would begin to put these, saddle these onto their, their donkeys or whatever. They had special baskets they would put the fruit in and they would tie the sheaves together and they would maybe have a cart or whatever. And they began to come from all over Israel toward the temple. And people knew what was going on because it's the season of first fruits. It's now all the new harvest is starting to come in. This was not a tithe at all. It was a first fruits. And the principle was that if you give a first fruits offering, that the rest of the field would be blessed. And the apostle Paul even referenced this. You got to understand, Paul was a being a Pharisee and a rabbi. He knew all of this by heart. So he swayed. He took the Hebrew roots and brought it into the New Testament, understanding from this kingdom principle. But he was using an example, talking about the Jewish people. But he's saying if the first fruits are holy then the rest is holy. So there's a principle that, for example, maybe the first of a year, the first of the month, or if you start a new job or whatever, to give a first fruits offering. And the Bible says about the first fruits offering in Proverbs, it says, bring in your first fruits. If you do, your barns will overflow. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Your barns will be full and your vats overflow with new wine. So there's a principle there, first fruits, that has to do with abundance. And I've taught on this before and there was some people in River of Life that actually really caught a hold of this. And people began to, um, and this is something my wife and I actually do too. But at the beginning of the month, and we wanted to do it connected to the Hebrew month, but it, does, it really doesn't, whichever way you want to do it doesn't matter. And we began to give like a first fruits offering at the beginning of the Hebrew month. And when we started doing that, I began to really notice that God began to bless us and increase us. So that's the first fruits. It's, it's your first, your best that you honor God. And if you do it, the rest is blessed. And then you have the tithing. So after the farmer had given a first fruits offering to the temple, he would come back home. Now the fullness of the harvest is coming in, and he sends his harvesters in to bring in the full harvest. When the full harvest is brought in now, he separates 10% unto God, the first and best. And this was the tithe. And the tithe was given to the, the local Levitical, that's a whole other thing that gets confusing if I try to get into it. But nonetheless, it was given into the storehouse. And the purpose of the tithe was to fund the kingdom. Let me give you an example. When the Israelites were really doing well spiritually, they were giving like they should, and the temple was prosperous, and the priesthood was able to do what they were supposed to do. When the children of Israel were backslidden, the temple would get dilapidated and the priesthood and the Levites had to focus on just surviving. So the house of God suffered. It's no different today. 
When people are hungry and on fire for God and living like they're supposed to be, the church is prospering. But the interesting thing about tithing and offerings, both, in Malachi, if you read it, the Bible says, why is it that things are not going well for you? He said, because you've robbed God. You're stealing from me the tithes and offerings that are due me. And so that was a, that's a principle many times preachers bring up. But when revival breaks out and when people are on fire and they're really living 100% for the Lord, it shows up in their giving. And that's why I think River of Life, by and large, has always been really blessed because people are hungry and on fire for God. And it shows up in their finances. And then there was also a second tithe. Now, the, the promise of tithing, I'm going to try to give the promise each time, was he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, open the heavens and pour out more blessing than there's room enough to contain, and nations rise to call you blessed. All right, then the second tithe was for special times. This was really interesting. But the Lord wanted his people to be able to have a special Sabbath meal with their family. To be able to celebrate in the biblical times, be able to celebrate at the turn of the Hebrew month called Rosh Kodesh to have a celebration. He wanted them to have money so that whenever they had to travel to Jerusalem at Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, that they would have the resources to go to there and to celebrate. And so the Lord told them to set apart a second tithe to celebrate before the Lord. Did you know that God encourages you to set apart some of your finances to, to feast before him and party and have a good time with the Lord? Deuteronomy 16, 16. There's also a realm of giving called Musaf, and this is special offerings. At Passover, at Pentecost, and Tabernacles, it said these were three times to come before the Lord in Jerusalem and to not come empty-handed. And so we've always sown, and I give people the opportunity if they want to, we've always sown an offering at those times unto the Lord. And a lot of people have done that. And I believe that when people are giving at those special times, that it's going to connect you more and more with God's timing. And it's going to bring your finances into a realm of blessing that's associated with those feast days. And the sixth realm of giving has to do, it's called Zadok, it has to do with alms to the poor. Now in Isaiah 58, it says, Is this not the fast I've chosen for you? And if you look at Isaiah 58, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, Joel 2, and other places in the Bible, it talks about prayer and fasting. You see that there's these five that seem to go together, these five things I'm going to mention. Number one is to humble yourself. Number two is to pray. Number three, to fast. Number four is to give, especially to give to the poor. And then number five is to deeply consecrate your life. And so, there's something about those five principles. There are humility, prayer, fasting, giving, and consecrating your life. 
And the giving specifically referenced the poor. And so Isaiah 58, the promise was, if you'll do these things, he said, I, you'll call to me and I will answer you. You'll cry out to me and I'll say, here I am. So there's something about humbling yourself, praying, fasting, and giving, and deeply consecrating your life that brings amazing answers to prayer and brings the Lord's nearness in your life. And I can't help but think of Cornelius because he was a man that was given to prayer, most likely fasting too, but he was a prayer warrior and he gave alms to the poor. And what I noticed was, as I've taught on this in the past, and there were certain people that I just simply noticed that they really got a hold of this too. And people began to not only be faithful in their tithing, but they began to give above their tithe. I noticed that there was people that would give a first fruits offering at the turn of the month. Now I keep up with the Hebrew calendar because it's important that we do. And so I mentioned the turn of the Hebrew month and some people wanted to give at that time a first fruits. And then also people began to give above their tithe and began to give alms to the poor and also to bless the nation of Israel. And so we would come into the church and they would let me know how much came in and we would make sure that gets sent out. We'd add to it from the church. And I've noticed when those particular people have gone through some trials that they come through victorious too, financially. I've watched it happen. And the Bible says about alms to the poor, I believe it's Psalm 41 or 42. Y'all remember Psalm 41, I think. But it says, if you'll regard the poor, if you'll bless the poor, he said, you'll be counted among the blessed of the land, not given over to the desire of your enemy. How many want to be able to say that you're not being given over to the desire of your enemies? Okay. That the Lord will be with you in trouble. He'll deliver you out of it and he'll heal you from sickness. Those are powerful promises for those that regard the poor. And so whenever I remember this one individual in River of Life that it went through something financially. And I was able to really pray with confidence before the Lord because this particular person is such a giver. And it, it really was great to be able to pray for a financial situation for this person because when I went before the Lord, I was like, well, I've got a lot of promises I can quote right now because this person's a giver. I was like, Lord, I know for a fact that they, they're a tither. I know for a fact that they give to the poor. They, that through the church, they, they give to bless Israel. They do everything I've mentioned here. So I'm asking you to work things out. And let me tell you, I felt it in my spirit like it's going to happen and it's going to be just fine. Because God sees that. And sure enough, God worked it out in their favor and blessed them. And finally, the seventh realm is free will offerings to the Lord. There's times when needs just simply arise. And I've been so thankful. I, very, I only mention things when I absolutely have to. There's been a couple times things came up. You know, I remember one time the air conditioner went out and I just simply mentioned it. And I had people come up and one person said, well, how much did it cost to get it fixed? I said, such amount. And he just said, okay, well, here you go and gave that, that amount. And so that's what I'm talking about, just free will offerings. People just, um, there's a need about this, a need about that. I've had people come up to me and go, okay. And next thing I know, here they come pulling in with whatever we needed, you know, and they're taking it and setting it up. 
And that's just the heart of some people, the free will offerings that arise in the church. But I promise you, if you'll begin to apply these biblical principles, I can tell you my wife and I can speak from experience that God will bless you financially if you do it. So remember not to glean the corners. So being generous to the needs just simply around you. First fruits. Maybe if you're going to start something new, a new job, or you start a new school year, you, um, the first of the month, the first of the year. The Bible says if you'll give a first fruits, the rest will be blessed. Also being faithful to tithe. Giving at these times that's coming up. You know, we're going to have an opportunity if people want to give at Passover and Pentecost this year to really get in on that. I believe there's something to that. Did you know when um, Brother John Davis was with us and God really touched him here at Pentecost and touched us too. But people, people that came by and large really gave a Pentecost offering. I and mean, people were really generous in their giving and we blessed him. He told me though when he went back he said two things happened. Number one, he said God really refreshed him while he was here too and charged his battery. But then he said also that he noticed when he came back that financial miracles broke out for him and he asked me he said are you guys doing pretty good financially and is there like a blessing i said yeah because we're because our church is big givers you see what i'm saying in the church a lot of people don't know this but the elders know it the church gives out to bless the poor and bless israel etc and so the church is a giving church and that blessing somehow jumped on him he gets back and he said his finances blew up and just increased and miracles came in the faithful tithing faithful giving at the times like passover pentecost and tabernacles etc also giving to the poor maybe consider in 2019 to be a year that above your tithe to add some in, to write on their benevolence, to give to the poor and to give to bless Israel. We, get, we make sure that this gets out to the poor. I remember that there was a, a particular ministry that we work with about this and they had gone to somewhere, I think it was the Ukraine. I showed my wife this video and I mean it really warms your heart. Kind of made you want to cry. But they had went there, there was a lady that was um, elderly and living by herself in the cold. She didn't have gloves. She didn't have hardly any blankets or any food to eat. And be quite honest with you, in the conditions she was living, as elderly as she was, she probably was not looking, it wasn't looking good for her to have a long, healthy life in the days to come. But the people that went there, they were just simply videoing this. And um, man, they gave her, she was crying. They were giving her gloves and blankets and food and everything she would need to help her through the winter. And when you get up in those places like the Ukraine and stuff, you know, it didn't like Dallas, Texas. I mean, it, it can get cold here, but not like that cold. And this lady didn't have central heat and air. You know, it was if, if she had the wood to put in, in the, that wood-burning stove to kind of heat the room, but she couldn't afford the wood. But anyway, they brought her, and the thing was, they sent a thank you. They put this video together and sent a thank you to those that give. And so I took the video and I took it to some of the people that I know in River of Life are givers in that. And I showed that video and said, you were just as much as part of this as anybody else. You know, and it was just one of those things that made you want to cry.
but maybe considering giving above your tithe to regard the poor and to bless Israel. And I told my wife, the Bible says if you'll bless Israel, God will bless you. We, we started a business and a few years back and, you know, things were going okay. It's a startup thing. And I remember that we really needed a breakthrough. And I told her, I said, well, we're going we're gonna to give some of the, the business funds. You have to understand that at the time, this was a step of faith, okay? Because we were starting out, right? That we're going to start giving. Here we are needing this to happen. So we're going to start giving to bless Israel. In particular, there was a way to give into the small businesses in Israel that are kind of struggling, trying to make it. We're going to bless them, and we're just going to believe God to bless us. My wife will attest to this. It, did, it wasn't but the first time we did that, that jobs started opening up and coming in, and finances just increased dramatically. It was, it was so noticeable that she was shocked and was telling people about it. I mean, it just <laughs> opened things up. So there's something about that. And so if you'll start doing this, I believe God will bless you. All right, so here's what I want to close with is these two things. Number one is breaking free from a poverty mentality. This is actually very serious because I've known people that have a poverty mentality. I've also known people that had like some kind of a generational curse about finances. And they would take two steps forward to take three back. And they struggled. But also a lot of times those people are not big givers because they're afraid. They have a poverty mentality. So there's a curse of poverty and a poverty, mind, poverty mindset that is keeping them enslaved. And once you really break out of that and start living by faith, you can overcome these things. And I'll tell you this too, I believe that there was something at one time, my father's side of the family, you remember us talking about this, there seemed to have been something financial that people struggled. My dad had always been a tither and a giver, but I remember that we, we were blessed with what we needed. But it seemed like there was something always like trying to put a lid on it though and just kind of keep it at a certain level. And God began to put, bring some books in my life many, many years ago about generational curses. And I, I shared them with them and they read them too. And he told me, he said, I feel like there's something about finances. So we prayed about that. They prayed about it. And after that, God told me that there was about to be a major financial miracle come. And man, it, it did. I mean, it was substantial that came to them. You know what that was? All the stuff the devil had been stealing from them and hoarding up, it unlocked it to be released into their life. But you've got to break free from these generational curses and break free from this mindset. There's a fear-based poverty mindset. To hoard what you have, to be scared to give. Now, don't you think about just common sense for a moment. If you were a farmer and you had good soil, it had been raining, but you were so scared. You had a bunch of seed in a bag, but you were so scared to put the seed in the ground, you said, well, we're going to eat this seed and it's just going to last us and everything's going to be okay. And you were terrified to go put it in the ground. You just wanted what you had. And so you sat around and ate up all your seed. That's all you got. That's all you're going to have. 
But if you'll take that seed and you'll get out in that field and sow it, and the rains come, you're going to have many, many, many times over what you had. It's going to keep multiplying, keep increasing. So there's got to be this breaking out of this poverty mentality. And the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So break the fear. I'm going to give you a few thoughts. Break the fear that holds you back from believing God. And you start in a practical sense, not only being a tither, but maybe give a little bit above your tithe. But you've got to do it with faith and say, Lord, the Bible says if I'll regard the poor, that you'll do this, 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 and this. Bible says if I tithe you'll do this and if you'll live by faith in it you're going to start seeing the increase but here's the question why does God bless us with increase so that we can go out and get some jet skis we can get a yacht no he blesses us with increase so that we can be a greater blessing than we were before also break a hoarding mentality some people really have a mentality just to hoard what they have also break a mentality of lack some people believe in their mind it's it's so deep-seated that it's even in their subconscious and they may even have dreams about it and i'm not kidding that they see themselves when they look at their finances and they look at their life they literally see themselves never having enough it's a mentality of lack and therefore that's what they speak and consequently that's exactly how they live they never really have enough because they honestly believe in their heart that they won't and that's how they, they believe and that's how they speak and that's exactly how it's going to be. Also break away from codependence. Some people have lived where they depend on other people to help take care of them. A lot of times these same people are irresponsible. They'll do things like this. They'll get an IRS refund <laughs> I've seen it I'm not making this up I mean I've, they'll go out and they'll buy all the stuff they don't need here's what they need they need to pay their electric bill but let me tell you what they do they go out and they, and they buy this big screen TV when they could have got a little one and they, and they got to get the newest latest phones for every member of the family all these stupid things and then next thing you know and this has happened I mean I pastor so I've seen a lot of stuff and I'm not making this up this has actually happened okay then it comes time to pay rent and pay the electric bill and they don't have the money and here's what they do I'm telling you I've seen it man they then here they go they're packing up the new TV and the new phones and they're heading to the pawn shop <laughs> they paid a thousand dollars for the TV and they get $450 at the pawn shop, man. And then they, they take that and they go and pay the, the rent so they don't end up homeless. And that's how they live. It's a mentality about them that they don't know how to be responsible with money. 
Lord help us. And some people also are users. And let me tell you, be careful with these people because me and my wife have had some people that really have been that way toward us. These people don't ever really want to grow up and keep a steady job and be responsible. They just want you to keep giving to them. And they're master manipulators and they're very good at making you feel sorry for them and, ma- and putting on you really good, thick, layered guilt trips if you don't give them money. They are master manipulators and users. Also, break free for, from the lust of personal decadent living. Some people deal with this. It can even be generational tendencies in them, but they, they want to really live some kind of a just decadent, over-the-top lifestyle. I'm really thankful. I, I grew up just really middle-class and normal. When I go places, this is the truth. I, don't, I do not have to stay in five-star hotels. We've had people come have a speak, and they have maybe a conference in a really nice hotel. And we get there, and they, they gave us a room or something. Okay, that's cool. But when we travel and stuff, we're okay with just normal hotels. We fly coach. I don't have to fly first class. Never done it, but I would like to do it once, just to be able to say I did, right? I want to do it once. But, but I, don't, I don't have to have all that stuff you know and also break free from slothfulness and become diligent the reason some people struggle is because they're lazy and they honestly they could go out and get a job but they want to live on welfare and so the bible says what is it go to the ant you sluggard remember that and it's talking about how the ant is so diligent, right, to store up. Remember that? And that's how some people are. They're just lazy and they, they, they could have more. But i tell you something. If you really pray for wisdom and you'll do practical things, my wife and I, we, the first thing we do is those seven realms of giving. That's the first thing we do. And we've prayed about increasing and so we've been at a certain level, but I want, in 2019, I would like for us to be able to increase what we've been giving above our tithe. So that's the first thing. So our finances are, are living by faith, according to kingdom principles, but also be a wise steward with what you have. Don't try to live beyond your means. Work yourself out of debt. Debt is a bondage. And some people, they, they really do get in debt up to their eyeballs. I mean, every area of their life. They've got all these credit cards and everything. It is, once you get like that, it is very difficult to break free from that. But work yourself out of debt and begin to, to really be practical about it. God will bless you. And as he sees that you're faithful to give, he'll bless you and increase you so that you can give more. And then the last thing I would just warn people. Here we are in the last days and James chapter 5 gives this prophetic warning. You know, in these latter days, the Bible says the end of the age is the harvest. And so there's a harvest out there and if we don't get it in, that harvest will rot. There are souls all around the world 
that the harvest is plentiful and the harvest comes it, it comes to maturity in different places at different times and God will send people I remember there was a time that the harvest was just exploding in Africa under Reinhard Bobke remember that there's been a harvest field that exploded in China during like the 90s and and, and um, maybe up in 2005 or something like that but there's harvest fields and God is wanting us to partner with the harvest coming in financially because, you know, practically, people with any type of common sense all know that you have to have finances to do things. See, I think that some people out there are so goofy that they think that ministry should never take up an offering and never have it. Okay, just in a practical sense, I know you guys understand this. We would not be in this room because I'm pretty sure the guy wouldn't let me be here if I quit paying him. Pretty sure. Also, these lights that are on that you're enjoying and the heat that's going, we wouldn't have any of that. We wouldn't have running water. We'd have to have a bucket back there somewhere, right? I mean, we wouldn't have anything because there wouldn't be finances to pay. So it's just common sense here. But there's people out there that God's hand is on them to get out and win souls but they need the finances to be able to get there and do it. They're going to have to rent a place. They're going to have to get either, whether it's a plane or an automobile, they're going to have to have the means to get there. But it costs money. It costs money to have a sound system and all that they need to be able to do it. So here's the warning. And this, this really speaks to me too. This is a real warning for all of us in James 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted. And their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up treasure. Another translation says you hoarded wealth. Behold the pay of the laborers. Who are the laborers? They're the harvesters. They're the people going out soul winning. Behold the pay of the soul winners who mow your fields. They're out reaping our fields for the kingdom. Which have been withheld by you. Those wages that you withheld from them, they cry out against you and their outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the, the ears of the Lord of hosts. And here that's Lord of Sabaoth, that is the Lord of the angel armies. You have lived in luxury on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter and you have condemned and put to death righteous men who does not resist you. So the warning there is, is that God's going to hold us all accountable on are we putting our finances into kingdom purposes? Because that's what I was saying before. There's nothing wrong with having jet skis and things like that. I don't mean to come across that way. Some people want to take jokes the wrong way. But we need to be careful though because we need to be seeking first the kingdom. And when God gives us finances, our first thought should be, okay, I need to be a good steward with this. Lord, what do you want me to do? Obviously, number one, I need to be first fruits and tithing and doing things I need to do. But Lord, what do you want me to do? And God's probably going to put on your heart to start sowing it in a way 
that's going to help bring in the harvest and that can just pray about that but i really believe that we need to be about the harvest in these latter days in river of life as a church we give out financially also in connection and working with at least three other ministries off the top of my head that are soul winning and we help them and one of them is a mom and pop ministry that really needs our money actually four off the top of my head and they're soul winning ministries that we're helping them and our offerings from river of life that go to them help them get the resources they need and so when you give into river of life just understand that that you're giving into a ministry that's also giving out to others and if you put on your check or whatever if you put on there this is going to benevolence it goes to that and we always add to it as a church and then sow it out there but it, it's really it's really ministering to people all right so pray about it but in 2019 my heart is for my wife and i to increase our giving i want to go to a new level and i want to make sure that we continue these seven realms of giving all right so lord i thank you so much for this word tonight we want to break free from babylon we don't want the tentacles of this babylonian system to have our finances all wrapped up and entangled and in bondage to this world we want to break free from that and begin to live a life of faith and obedience and kingdom principles and therefore to live a life that's prospering and victorious not so that we can live in luxury but rather so that we can really be a blessing to many other people so lord i thank you so much and lord i pray that you would do a work in our hearts because we know the bible says the love of money is the root of all evil take take out of your people if there's any love of money any greed or materialism that all of that will come out and lord let there be a heart that is a generous cheerful giver because the bible says you love a cheerful giver so lord we thank you we thank you for hearing and answering these prayers in jesus name we pray amen